This is The Guardian. Welcome to Weekend, a podcast that helps you switch off from your busy day to day and find entertainment and inspiration in the best Guardian and Observer writing from the week. You can either listen to this as one podcast or play each article as individual listens. Just scroll down the description on the podcast page for the timings of what we are featuring. Coming up, is Rishi Sunak rewarding failure? With David Cameron back, it's being celebrated like never before, observes Marina Hyde. Nicolas Cage on dreams, fame and his two-headed snake. Why one woman flew across the world to win back her ex. And four cardiologists share 20 simple, successful steps to a healthy heart. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Before we begin, just a warning, there's a bit of bad language in this episode. Now, after David Cameron's triumph in Libya, Marina Hyde can't wait to see what Mr. Failed State achieves as Foreign Secretary. Sorry, that's unfair. Lord Failed State. Read by Evelyn Miller. Who's that walking up Downing Street? Why, it's the man who ghosted Britain. In some ways, the sight of David Cameron back in SW1 was always a possibility. Behavioural science tells us these guys often return to the scene of their crimes, either to retrieve a trophy or to show police the various burial sites in the hope of receiving a slightly more lenient sentence. In this case, from the history books. But let's be real. The only acceptable excuse Cameron would have for being in the Downing Street area is that he has been sent back in time to terminate his past self before the moment he accidentally sets the UK on the course of permacrisis politics, in which it is still agonisingly and destructively trapped. Unfortunately, the Cameron unit has made the wrong calculations again, and emerged through the space-time tear seven and a half years too late. He is now Foreign Secretary, and after his full-spectrum triumph in Libya, 
It will certainly be interesting to see what Mr. Failed State achieves in that role. Sorry, that's unfair. Lord Failed State. With the best will in the world, then, Rishi Sunak's big move feels most squarely pitched at the emergency podcast market. Is there such a thing as an emergency foreign secretary? Tangentially, I'm actually slightly surprised Cameron isn't himself already doing a podcast. His closest political ally, George Osborne, has got one with his own former Labour opposite number, Ed Balls, where the chat has the feel of two buddy cops shooting the breeze in their car on a stakeout outside the Treasury. If they move their vehicle to the curb opposite the Foreign Office, Cameron can now send room service out to them, like Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. Inevitably, people have suggested that pulling a move to restore Cameron to the front line is like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. But arguably, that doesn't really cover it. This is not like shifting the deck chairs in 1912, an hour after the iceberg had hit, but like doing it now, in 2023, when David Cameron's form has been largely consumed by mollusks and fish have been swimming in and out of his cavities, along with various Treasury committee members who in 2021 probed his lucrative lobbying of ministers on behalf of the now-collapsed Greensill Capital. These days, he's arguably more reef than man. Perhaps, instead of representing the triumph of experience as build, Cameron's return as Foreign Secretary says something about our age of defeat, where some of the gurus most fetishised are the ones who already had a go and failed, in many cases, absolutely disastrously. I know you learn a lot from failure, but I sometimes wonder if the United Kingdom deserves slightly more than being a recurring plot device in these people's journey towards personal growth. Many will feel David wouldn't even deserve a comeback as an ITV press officer, his only previous job outside politics. In fact, speaking of ITV... At almost the exact same moment Cameron was being photographed shaking hands with Sunak in the cabinet room, Nigel Farage was being photographed in Queensland for his upcoming stint on I'm a Celebrity, having somehow sidestepped Australia's famously strict biosecurity rules. Which of these two employment gambits will turn out to be the more significant booking in the long term? It says a lot about the deranged political culture we've been living in since Cameron dooby-dooby-dooed his way out of Downing Street in 2016, that at the present moment, I'd call it for Farage's trip to the jungle. For now, we might have to accept the Cameron appointment is like the moment in a much-loved family game when you realise you've played it through and the children start wailing, We've had all these cards! And after years of exhausting turmoil in which the only thing achieved has been decline, we have indeed had all these cards. As Andy Warhol once remarked, in the future, every single Conservative MP will hold a vital UK government brief for 15 minutes. 
and this has surely now been so comprehensively achieved, that we are downcycling former Prime Ministers into vacant jobs. Fifteen people alone have been Housing Minister since May 2010. You have to remember that even Andrea Jenkins, the missing link between the vegetable and mineral kingdoms, has been an Education Minister. At the time she held this role last year, Andrea was pictured walking into Downing Street, giving the middle finger to members of the public. So it means a lot that she saw Monday as the opportunity to announce enough is enough, and to submit her letter of no confidence in Rishi Sunak. At the time of writing, we were still waiting for the formal departure letter from Suella Braverman, who was very belatedly sacked by Sunak on Monday morning, apparently over an issue with tone, which makes her sending off sound like it was for sarcastic applause to a referee, as opposed to whipping up tensions to the point where far-right thugs stormed the police barricades around the cenotaph on Armistice Day. While they've had a lot to say about other aspects of last Saturday's march, there has been a distinct lack of condemnation of these particular scenes from the right of the Conservative Party. Perhaps they found them charming. In any case, Sunak's attempts to buy them off seem unlikely to do the trick. But mildly eye-catching appointments on that front include the return of Esther McVeigh, who becomes a cabinet-attending minister without portfolio, whose actual brief, it has been reported, is to be the common-sense czar. Something of an oxymoron there. Then again, maybe there is something of the late-stage Romanovs to this latest attempt at accommodation with a fast-advancing appointment with unpleasant reality. Ultimately, we now have an unelected foreign secretary appointed by an unelected prime minister and are being asked to consider the mood as fresh. It was only a few weeks ago that Rishi Sunak was trying to cast himself as the change candidate and to define the rest of his prime ministership against all the mistakes made by all his recent predecessors in Tory rule, including Cameron. Evidently, that pose has now been abandoned, as others will be on the Prime Minister's inexorable journey towards the next general election. Sunak comes across as a man who has only had one good idea in his entire political career, the furlough scheme, and is forever trying and failing to have another one, convinced that he'll strike it if he just drills into a bit more detail slash rummages deep enough in the bag of yesterday's men. There must be another one down there somewhere. Mustn't there? That was Rewarding Failure with David Cameron's return. It's being celebrated like never before by Marina Hyde. Read by Evelyn Miller. Next, Nicolas Cage, the actor who spawned a thousand internet mashups, talks to Ryan Gilby about turning to his subconscious for help, his very public mistakes, and the greatest piece of direction he has ever received. Read by Jeff Teravainen. When people tell Nicolas Cage that he has appeared in their dreams, he gets a little jumpy. I'm like, well, I hope I behaved, he says in his unmistakably emphatic drawl. You want to make sure you didn't do something horrific. 
Dreams are on his mind today because of his new film, the Ari Aster-produced black comedy Dream Scenario, which he has phoned from Perth, Australia to discuss. It is early evening there, and the 59-year-old actor is in a rented beachfront house with his fifth wife, Rico Shibata, and their one-year-old daughter, August, named after Cage's late father. It's lovely, he sighs contentedly as August wails in the background. I have a nice view of the waves, and I'm enjoying watching the outstanding surfers here. It's really a dance, a ballet. He's in the middle of shooting a movie, called appropriately enough, The Surfer. Though it would be a shock if he wasn't. Impersonating Cage on Saturday Night Live, Andy Samberg said, My dream as an actor is to appear in every film ever released. However, until now I've only been able to muster a measly 90%, bringing shame upon my dojo. At one point during our conversation, Cage claims to not know how many films he has made. I count 109 completed features, though the ones in which he plays dual roles, such as adaptation and the unbearable weight of massive talent, should probably be counted twice for unbearable weight, where he played two Nicolas Cages. He even snogged himself. I wanted it to be kind of cubist, he says. This year, he has already starred as Dracula in Renfield, an assassin-turned-beach-bum in The Retirement Plan, a crimson-haired carjacker in Sympathy for the Devil, and a brooding buffalo hunter in Butcher's Crossing. He also had a near-subliminal cameo as Superman in The Flash. Dream scenario, though, is his pick of the bunch. I'll go on record as saying I think it's a masterpiece, he says. Cage plays Paul Matthews, a schlubby college professor who starts popping up in strangers' dreams, making him a kind of accidental celebrity of the collective subconscious. It might be flattering, if he didn't ignore the dreamers' cries for help as they are pursued by zombies and whatnot. Though the actor claims not to set much store by his dreams, he has turned to them for help. If I'm stressed about how to play a scene, I'll ask for a gift from my dreams. Only five times, he says, he has been blessed with a script that didn't need a single word changed. Dream scenario, adaptation, the Coen Brothers' madcap masterpiece Raising Arizona, the 1988 comedy Vampire's Kiss, which set a high bar early on in his pursuit of sublime derangement, and the recent Pig, where he was movingly low-key as a former chef whose porcine BFF is snatched. Sometimes I'm so nervous about not having any hook on a scene that I'll go to bed and dream about it, and then I'll get some residual feeling that I can apply to the performance. His dreams have also influenced other choices. There were two-headed eagles, for example, isn't that so wonderfully bizarre, he gasps. Yes, I was dreaming about two-headed eagles. I don't know what to take from that. And then, the next day, some guy called my manager to ask if I was interested in buying a two-headed snake. I couldn't say no because I was connecting the dots. It was too beautifully weird. However, when he discovered the rigmarole involved, the heads had to be kept apart with a spatula to prevent them squabbling over dinner. He donated the snake to a zoo crazy stuff. Dream scenario rang some bells for him. Everyone has the ability to become famous now. You're the guy who tripped in the supermarket and someone filmed it. Or the woman on the plane who has a meltdown 
And now you're the airplane meltdown woman. In a funny way, he knows what that's like. Yes, he's already had two decades of fame behind him when the internet became commonplace. He started acting in the early 1980s, won an Oscar in 1996 for playing a bruised alcoholic reaching the bottom of the barrel and the end of the road in leaving Las Vegas, then pivoted to Action Hero with the boisterous hat trick of The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. But celebrity at that level still left him unprepared for the meme scenario. I might have been the first actor who went through a kind of memification, he says, alluding to the proliferation of memes such as, You don't say, along with countless video variations on the theme of Nicolas Cage losing his shit. One person had cherry-picked from all these different movies where I was having meltdowns, but without any regard for how the character got to that place. I was frustrated because I didn't know what people were taking from the movies other than that. Part of the reason Cage provides such rich pickings is he has never knowingly been inhibited. No one else speaks in so many italics and block caps. Listen to the way he pronounces testicle during his crazed speech in Prisoners of the Ghostland. Testicle! Watch him badmouthing a belligerent guard dog in David Gordon Green's Joe. I love dogs, just not that dog. That dog is an asshole! Or going cuckoo on crack in Werner Herzog's bad lieutenant port of call New Orleans. Easy, 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 because I'm not easy E. These Dulali distillations of character are equivalent to an electrifying riff from a rock song. It's not the whole number, but it sure whets the appetite. As a child, Cage had already seen fame close up. His aunt Talia Shire was a star from The Godfather, directed by her brother and Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, and Rocky, long before he even made his first movie. I'm so glad you're bringing up Aunt Tally, he says warmly. When I was only seven or eight, she was the one who said to me, naturalism is a style. That stuck with me. Being known for memes and mashups, though, is different. I didn't understand how to process what was happening. I got into acting because I was moved by film performance more than any other art form. I didn't get into movies to become a meme. That was new. I made friends with it, but it was an adjustment. He convinced himself that these were memes to an end. I thought maybe they would compel someone to go back and look at the movies, but I had no control over it. The same thing happens with Paul in Dream Scenario. He has no control over this inexplicable phenomenon. Paul is also under the illusion that he can exploit his unsolicited fame and ubiquity. Look, I don't gamble, but fame is like gambling, says Cage. When fame turns on you, the effects of loss, as with gambling, are more profound than the effects of winning. Has fame turned on him? Oh yeah, there have been moments when things were broadcast about my finances or mistakes I had made became extremely public, and I felt all that. He's referring to his brush with financial ruin about a decade ago, when he blew his fortune on extravagances including two castles, an island in the Bahamas, and one of the U.S.'s most haunted houses, and emerged with a $14 million bill for unpaid taxes. He later sued his business manager for making numerous highly speculative and risky real estate investments. 
The manager countersued, citing Cage's compulsive self-destructive spending. The suit was settled in 2012. Perhaps it's true to say that he was hurt but not defeated, to echo a phrase that Martha Coolidge used when she directed him in Valley Girl back in 1983, as she tried to get him in the correct mindset when his character suffered a knockback. Oh my God, Cage exclaims. That was the greatest piece of direction I've ever received from a filmmaker. I'm so glad you mentioned Martha because I want to go on record as saying that without her, none of this would have happened. It was because of what she did with me that people knew who I was. That was so long ago. You know, I'm going to be 60 in January. This, he says with audible disbelief. I offer my congratulations, and he thanks me with such sincerity that it is almost as if he believes I went out and bought that congratulations, especially for him and his size. That's Cage all over, a master of irony, sarcasm, rage, and cruelty on screen, but a fountain of warmth in conversation, determined to make the person he is talking to feel special. Four or five times, for instance, he begins an answer with some variation on the words, I'm so glad you're bringing that up. At the end of our time together, he even offers a kind of customer satisfaction wrap-up. That was a good conversation, in my opinion, and I hope it was for you. Bless. When he tells me that his Renfield co-star Nicholas Holt sent him a picture recently of a Cage as Dracula Halloween costume, I mention a group of friends in Brooklyn who dressed as different Cage characters a few Halloweens ago. Ghost Rider, the medic from Bringing Out the Dead, the goofy stick-up merchant from Raising Arizona, and so on. Oh, that's hilarious, he says. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to be in the room where they're all congregating, but I like the idea of it for sure. If I was there, I might start hyperventilating. Only afterwards do I wonder how many times he has heard stories like that. We bring up our tales of Nick Cage Halloween costumes, or the time he appeared in our dreams, or we recite our favorite monologues from Moonstruck or Wild at Heart in front of him. And he still makes us feel as if this is the first time he's hearing it. Would we do the same to Meryl Streep, Denzel Washington, or Robert De Niro? I think not. But there is a communal, celebratory quality to Cage's performances, an absence of caution or cynicism in his jack-in-the-box vitality that makes us feel he is ours to share and savor. I've been trying to push myself to get to a purer place of expression, he says. If I look back, I can see other places where it has happened, like leaving Las Vegas, but it's starting to kick into high gear for me with pig and dream scenario, because they're personal. I'm putting these feelings from my life into these characters, and with any luck, it's connecting or communicating with the audience. He may have called me on this occasion, but you'll never catch him phoning it in. That was I Didn't Get Into Movies to Become a Meme Nicolas Cage on Dreams, Fame and His Two-Headed Snake by Ryan Gilby Read by Jeff Teravinen We're going to take a short break now. We'll be right back with the second half of the episode. Don't go anywhere. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome back to Weekend. Now, after breaking up with her boyfriend Sam, Melissa Noble thought she had made the right decision. But when he moved on to another relationship, she was devastated. Here's what happened next. Read by Evelyn Miller. Sometimes, when you've been with the same person for several years, the relationship can start to feel stale. That crazy, all-consuming passion fades, and you transition into a different kind of love. It was around the four-year mark that I started to feel like this with Sam. Our honeymoon period was over, and I felt like we were both taking each other for granted. To put it simply, we were in a rut. At the same time, I was feeling really disillusioned with other parts of my life. I was burnt out from working as a journalist at a daily newspaper. I was hating living on the Gold Coast, and I desperately needed a change. When a friend invited me to do a working holiday in Canada, I leapt at the chance. Sam and I tried doing long distance initially, but I felt like it wasn't working. I was completely lost, and thought that being young... I should see the world and find my feet on my own. So I broke it off. A few weeks after that, I found out on social media that Sam had met someone else. One of his relatives shared a post alluding to seeing Sam and a woman. And after some digging, I realised he had a new girlfriend. I was utterly shattered to think he had moved on without me. I couldn't eat. I barely slept. I drove my flatmates nuts, crying all the time and behaving like a woman possessed. I knew that I was being completely unfair and selfish. After all, I had broken Sam's heart and he had rightfully moved on and met someone else. But I couldn't help the way I felt. Somewhere in the depths of my despair, I had a realisation. Sam was the one but I had pushed him away, all because I was young and didn't really understand how real love shifts and evolves with time. That real love is not always rainbows and butterflies. You have to work at it. I booked a flight home and called him to say I was coming back. It was one of the hardest phone calls of my life. I was so nervous about what he'd say. 
I think, deep down. He wanted it to work too, and he agreed to give it another shot. He was there waiting for me at the arrivals gate. I'll never forget it. He had lost so much weight and looked like a shell of the person I'd left behind. My heart broke with guilt. We kissed in the terminal, tears streaming down our faces. It took time to repair the damage I'd done, but Sam ended up forgiving me. A few months later, we began a new chapter of our relationship when he joined me in Canada. We spent three magical years travelling together, making unforgettable memories. From skinny dipping on a beach in Rio after a few too many caipirinhas, to exploring the desert on the backs of camels in Morocco. It turns out you don't need to see the world alone as a rite of passage. You can do it with the person you love beside you. Sam and I have now been married almost a decade. We have three beautiful children together. I am so grateful to have him as my life partner. Our love has gone through many different stages deepening with each hurdle we clear together. To this day, I sometimes wonder what would have happened if I'd never seen that post on social media, never put two and two together that he had met someone else. It was a sliding doors moment that changed the course of my life, for the better. That was The Moment I Knew. I learned he had a new girlfriend and flew across the world to win him back by Melissa Noble, read by Evelyn Miller. Finally, our hearts, like all muscles, need proper fuel and rest. Sarah Phillips finds out how to keep yours on top form, from avoiding cocaine to watching your cholesterol. Read by Jonathan Keeble. Our hearts beat 100,000 times a day, but we tend not to worry about their maintenance unless there is a problem. What should we know about how to keep this vital organ pumping? Four cardiologists give their advice on how to keep our hearts healthy. Exercise is key. If you put exercise into a pill, it would probably be better than anything a doctor could give you to improve heart health says Professor Dan Augustin, a cardiologist at Royal United Hospitals Bath. The NHS recommends 150 minutes a week of moderately intense activity, such as brisk walking, that gets you a bit breathless, says Augustin, or 75 minutes of higher intensity exercise, such as running or cycling. If you think back to ancient times, says Graham Stewart, medical director of Sports Cardiology UK, we didn't have cars. We walked everywhere and did manual labour. All the body processes are designed to be active. Be aware of what your body can do. If you've done no exercise in the past, you need to build it up, says Augustine. Older people have more cardiac problems when they are exercising. If you're over 40, you need to have a feel for your own risk factors. For example, if you smoke or have a family history of coronary disease. 
Augustine advises having regular health checks, which are offered free by the NHS every five years for people aged between 40 and 74, and include monitoring blood pressure, cholesterol level and diabetes risk. Overdoing it can be bad too. Generally speaking, you can't do too much exercise. If you're doing really intense stuff like ultra-marathons, says Augustine, there is some evidence that you can cause some heart damage, but this probably reverses after three or four days. What is more concerning, he says, is people overexerting themselves without being aware of underlying coronary disease. This can be a reason why otherwise healthy people collapse during marathons, or middle-aged men out cycling have heart attacks. Avoid a sedentary lifestyle. You're not going to go from zero to a hundred percent in terms of exercise, but just think about how much you're sitting, Augustine says. If you're getting your 10,000 steps each day, then that is pretty good, says Stuart. Dr. Fizzer Chowdhury, a consultant cardiologist at St. Bartholomew's in London, says she walks around her house in the evening until she reaches this target. High cholesterol can be problematic. Cholesterol is a type of fat in our bloodstream that is made in the liver and is also found in the food that we eat, says Chowdhury. Having too much can lead to furring up of the arteries, particularly the heart arteries and the vessels that supply the brain. This can lead to problems such as heart disease and stroke. The cholesterol-laden plaque that builds up in the heart arteries can reduce blood flow to the heart, causing chest pain and angina, but it can also cause sudden blockage of the arteries, causing a heart attack. Inherited risk should be assessed. If you have a family member who has had a heart attack under the age of 60, you should see a doctor, says Augustine. Likewise, if you have a parent, sibling or relative who has a heart problem that they're told is inherited, then you must get yourself checked, says Stuart. You can see your GP or self-refer. It is important to access information on how to live safely with an inherited condition, especially when participating in sport, Stuart adds. Diet plays an integral role. I would recommend a Mediterranean-style diet, says Stuart. Fruit, vegetables, nuts and pulses are good for blood vessels and good for the heart. Swap white bread, rice and pasta out for whole grain versions, because they've got more fibre in, says Augustine. They are more filling and they are digested more slowly. Protein is really important and helps the body to grow and repair. Oily fish is really good for reducing bad cholesterol, inflammation and lowering blood pressure. Avoid unhealthy foods. I'm from Glasgow, says Stuart, and there is a lot of evidence to suggest that deep-fried Mars bars are not so good for the heart. What I say to patients, says Chowdhury, who has a specialism in cardiovascular disease prevention, is try to cut down on fats, particularly saturated fat, and the amount of oil you put into food. Also cut down on carbohydrates, Mostly when people eat, they have a whole plate of rice or pasta and then a bit of meat and a bit of veg. Cut the carbs in half and fill the rest of your plate with white meat, fish and vegetables. And then you will start to lose weight 
and reduce your cardiovascular risk. Other no-brainers Stopping smoking can significantly improve your life expectancy on its own, says Therusha Gunavardana, a cardiologist who works in coronary intervention at the Royal Papworth Hospital in Cambridge and describes himself as a glorified plumber. Chowdhury explains how her heart attack patients often have a sudden wake-up call and say, there's no way I'm ever going to smoke again, which is great. She also sees a lot of younger patients who have used cocaine, which can cause a sudden heart attack straight after taking it, or heart disease in the longer term. From a cardiac perspective, alcohol in moderation is okay, she says, as long as you stick to safe amounts, which UK guidelines state should be no more than 14 units over three days or more. The key thing is not to binge, says Augustine. Prioritise sleep. Gunavardana has just come off the night shift. Working nights, he says, has been shown to cause inflammation and worse cardiac outcomes. But he has done a Brazilian jiu-jitsu session to feel less awful. There are a lot of regeneration processes that occur while we sleep, and trying to get eight hours of sleep a day is important, he says. Better sleep can be achieved through positive sleep hygiene, he says, avoiding screams and prioritising rest before bedtime. Your heart is a muscle, an engine, says Augustine. It needs fueling and resting. Stress leads to unhealthy habits. Do I have evidence to say that if you are emotionally stressed, that is bad for your heart? I can't say that, says Augustine. But if you are under a lot of stress and your body clock is all over the place, you aren't going to be as physically active. We know that if you're running on adrenaline, you're more likely to get abnormal beats, says Stuart. If you're in a constant high adrenaline environment, you're more likely to develop problems. How you deal with stress in the modern world is more difficult. I tell the teenagers I see to make sure they get time for rest, whether it's meditation or a walk. Hearts can sometimes race. We become more aware of our heartbeat when we are anxious or nervous, as blood is pumped faster, like when we exercise. Gunavardana explains. Generally, we don't notice our heartbeat, but sometimes people do. This can be because something peculiar is happening, like their heart is racing or beating irregularly. It can sometimes be a normal phenomenon. Often, contemplating your heartbeat suddenly makes one aware of it. But palpitations, as a symptom, is the unusual awareness of them, where it feels odd. If someone is concerned about palpitations, especially if they are also breathless and experiencing chest pain, they should see a doctor. It is hard to be too prescriptive, says Gunavardana. It can be a very individual experience. Some people can have abnormal heart rhythms and experience very few symptoms, and there are others who find more common, non-life-limiting phenomena much more intrusive. What is a heart attack? A heart attack is when you have a blocked artery, says Chowdhury. And because of the blocked artery, you don't get blood supply to a certain part of the heart. That is what causes the pain. Chowdhury's team deals with almost 1,000 heart attacks a year and makes about 3,000 coronary interventions, which involve putting stents into people's arteries when they become blocked 
to prevent heart attacks. Symptoms vary, says Augustine, but a chest pain that feels like a weight or heaviness is common. Some patients describe it as radiating up to their throat or down their left arm. This can be accompanied by feeling sweaty or sick. If you think you are having a heart attack, you should seek medical advice immediately. When a person is having a heart attack, the arteries are blocked and the muscles are starved of oxygen, says Gunavardhana. It sets off this abnormal heart rhythm and that makes the heart beat very fast and irregularly. Your heart should pump in a rhythmic, regular fashion, but when it goes into one of these abnormal heart rhythms, it pumps in a very uncoordinated fashion, and so people pass out, and that is when they have what is called a cardiac arrest. We should all learn how to do CPR. I can't say how important it is that people know how to do CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, says Gunavardhana. If you don't know how to perform CPR, then learn how to do it, so you are prepared if there is a serious complication of a heart attack. And how to use an electric defibrillator. Ideally, they should be everywhere where there is sport, says Augustine. He recommends looking at the Resuscitation Council website for information on where to find them and how to use them. After a heart attack, Driving and sex should be avoided for a month. Heart attacks can really upset a person's confidence, says Gunavardhana, because you can suddenly become acutely aware of any sensation in the chest. With sex, most people tend to feel nervous about it, says Gunavardhana, and want to have engaged with all the cardiac rehab and exercises first. Like with anything, it's a case of starting slowly. Sex, like any form of aerobic exercise, is obviously very good for the heart too. Statins can be lifesavers. In the last 20 years or more, reducing cholesterol with medications such as statins has led to a dramatic reduction in mortality related to heart disease, says Chowdhury. Statins are usually prescribed for all patients who have had heart disease and also those felt to be at increased risk whether that is down to raised cholesterol or other factors. And finally, a pacemaker isn't as life-altering as it sounds. Stewart gives the example of the Danish footballer Christian Eriksson, who had an implantable cardioverter defibrillator, a type of pacemaker, fitted after a cardiac arrest at the European Championships in 2021, but is still playing professionally for Manchester United. There are minor inconveniences, like setting off security at the airport, but people can live really normal lives with them, says Gunavardhana. That was The Experts, Cardiologists on 20 Simple Successful Steps to a Healthy Heart, by Sarah Phillips, read by Jonathan Keeble. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that The Guardian and Observer is expanding its home delivery service across the UK, including Manchester, Brighton, Bristol and Edinburgh. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off. Relax, put your feet up and get The Guardian and Observer delivered right to your door. To check whether your area is eligible and to subscribe, visit theguardian.com forward slash autumn delivery 23. That's all from us. This has been Weekend, a Guardian podcast. 
If you're enjoying it, please make sure to like, subscribe to and rate the podcast. Maybe even leave us a nice review. Just search for Weekend wherever you get your podcasts. This week's articles were read by Evelyn Miller, Jeff Teravainen and Jonathan Keeble and presented by me, Savannah Ayode-Greaves. This episode was produced by Rachel Porter. The executive producer was Ellie Bury. Join us again next Saturday. Thanks for listening. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.